everybody, it is Tiffany and Dan, and we are joined by a couple of special guests today as we start a conversation around moving to level three. We're here. We've arrived exciting, at level three. Stuff, level three. More kids. <laughs> so we've made it. It's our pleasure to introduce to you Kelly Biriotti and Tiffany Jokers, and we're going to let them introduce themselves just a little and tell you where they're from and what they teach. Uh, Kelly, why don't you start for us? Uh, I teach uh, at El Cajon uh, Valley High School, and I teach chemistry and biology. Perfect. And I'm Tiffany Jokerst. I'm at West Hills High School and I teach math and engineering, aerospace engineering specifically. Oh, no pressure there. Aerospace <laughs> oh. engineering. Do you literally teach rocket science? Uh-huh. I oh do. Oh my gosh. We launched some bottle rockets today, so. Oh, that's fun. <laughs> that's super fun. Well, today is a fun day. Uh, Dan and I spent the day out of Valhalla in classroom, so thank you if you welcomed us into your classroom, but um, we were just as we got ready for today's recording, we were kind of talking about just the vibe on campus, how that vibe um, you know, has, has changed going to level three and having kids on campus a little bit more. Um, I know for me walking around, it felt a lot closer. It felt closer to um, you know, what we're used to. It was nice <laughs> hearing some chatter at passing yeah. period versus just the silence. So I think more, more kids means they're connecting more and, and not quite as isolated and better chance some of their friends are around. Yeah. And, and uh, yeah, it was really, really great seeing, seeing students today. Yeah, for sure. Kelly, what are, you, what are you seeing in the classroom side of things now that we're at level three? How is the vibe different? Um, I mean, it's only been a couple days, but um, I have noticed that there's more engagement and there's more uh, socializing and talking and answering questions and asking questions. And they, um, I don't know, my students just seem to be happier. Oh. Um, so significant difference that I noticed from just like last week, previous weeks to um, this week, three days in, um, they seem happier. For sure. That's exciting. Tiffany, what are you seeing? How yeah, was it this week? I would say the same thing. I told Dan uh, a couple days ago in a meeting that it was loud in my classroom <gasps> for the first time all year, and I enjoyed it so much. Um, there's definitely been a shift in morale just with the students and with the teachers. Um, everyone's excited again, and I feel that, that morale shift. Yeah, we had a principal mention in one of our um, meetings that it felt like the first day of school yeah. this week. You know, it just mm -hmm. felt those vibes of kids coming back and you know being ready to be there and that's kind of that nervous energy and excitement of seeing their friends and getting to meet their teachers you know and all that yeah so that's really really exciting our, our business is people yeah and, and, and lots of people we have little cities you know to, you know or big towns whatever uh, and and they've been sparsely populated and that I think that, that just changes the vibe so Again, we're not there all the way back yet, but it's a, it's a great step forward. It's a great start. So, you know, level three is sort of an extension of the hybrid, hybridization that we've, we've had going on. We've got kids completely distanced. We've got kids, you know, that are at home a few days a week and coming to campus a few days a week. Um, so I'm just curious, as we look to level three, focusing in on some of the successes of hybrid learning. What, what is actually working well in hybrid learning? We know it's not all roses, but um, you know, what's working well that maybe we can grow the scope of or lean into more as we have kids back in class more? Um, what do you think? Anybody, anybody can take it, uh, it's a toss up. <laughs> I would say um, what seems to be working well is the, the self-paced lessons so students are able to work 
uh, at their own pace when they have time. I know a lot of uh, my students have jobs, full-time jobs mm. now to help their parents. Um, so they don't have to do it, you know, from 11.50 to 12.50. Uh, they can kind of do their work when it, it uh, works in their schedule. And um, I have noticed um, that this has forced me as a teacher to have absolutely zero fluff in my lessons. So I'm super focused on the uh, SEPs and the CCCs um, and what my students can do. And um, that really kind of scales down uh, my lessons, leaving out anything that is unnecessary that isn't going to help them reach that target. Yeah. And so. Yeah, and it's nice in science, I think you've got science engineering practices and the cross-cutting concepts to help guide you. We're going to talk a little bit about, um, you know, as we look at what we can cut, using frameworks like that to to kind of help guide, hey, it's okay to let go of this, this thing. And I like, you know, you phrased it as fluff, and I think that makes a lot of sense, like you're really focused in on what's critical. Right? Tiffany, you're nodding. What do you think? Yeah, no, I completely agree. Um, and I think with that idea of narrowing the focus, I think that the structure that we have right now is working really well, where the students are only having to focus on two to three classes at a time. Uh, yeah. um, having to do five in this with also having to learn how to learn online would be completely overwhelming. So I think that the structure of having two to three classes narrows that focus for them mm -hmm. within the actual frame of school and that's been helpful yeah what do you use as a math teacher to help you make those decisions about what's fluff and what's critical yeah what um, there's a book called catalyzing change that really focuses in on the core um, standards as well as the the critical things that students need to to know as far as um, how to problem solve through different things. That's been a little bit challenging in this structure because you need students to engage and talk to each other. So that's kind of a challenge. Although this new hybrid, every time that my students do get in class, I make sure that they have hands-on activity and um, they do have those conversations. So hybrid learning is working well for that. Great, that's awesome. Uh, Dan, any suggestions on where teachers can go for guidance on Letting go of some of those wow. fluffier wow. No, parts. No of pressure that. on that one. <laughs> well, well, we, you know, I think, I think. Uh, what would you have used as as a teacher? Where would you have gone if you were? I, I think you look at what your what your standards are saying, mm -hmm. and you have to look at you know, and, and all the standards are actually there's lots of content standards and skill based standards, uh, and it's identifying uh, those areas where students can grow the most and, and and I would say you know in science to some extent social science you know all this stuff is not as important as the learning to think and process and all that because if they forget when from my from my time in the classroom when the French Revolution is they can pull out their phone and <laughs> yeah. look it up yeah. so uh, the thinking about the French Revolution or the impact or thinking about whatever concept I, I think is is the most important part um, it is easy, though, to have them do a worksheet on the French Revolution as a, as a student because they can just Google the answers and cut and paste, maybe summarize. Uh, for a teacher, sometimes it might copy be easier. Copy from a friend. Copy from a friend, right? yes. Uh, you know, you know or, or they can, uh, uh, you know, for a teacher, it's, it's an it's a easier thing to facilitate in this sort of environment, but we just need to not lose sight on 
uh, you know, trying to de develop uh, expert learners who can learn on their own. And, uh, and it's really important that we, we maybe take a little bit more time to uh, create opportunities for students to, to do that type of thing. And maybe capitalize too on their interest and their excitement about topics. Um, you know, finding finding ways to connect that to their learning, um, and then connect that to what they're what they're learning at school. Um, so I think what I'm hearing is that potentially that DOK one living at recall. Um, Maybe that's something we can let go of a little. I, I don't know. I, who's, I think so. I think so. I might have yes. been saying that for a few years. But, uh, <laughs> More than a few years. Yeah. 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 Well, and and, and I, I think, you know, I don't want to hop too much of the time here, but I want to just also say we're, we're as we're going into quarter four and as we're going into next school year, there's whole this idea of like, what do we do with all the stuff the kids didn't learn? During, the, yeah. during what will be a year and a quarter or so of, of, you know, of their schooling. And I think we need to not look at it as, as loss, it's just like, where are we starting up from? Mm -hmm. So in August, when they come back to us, where are we starting? We want growth. Maybe we can accelerate, but if we accelerate too much, then we may lose students along the way, and, and that mm -hmm. is the worst possible outcome, because they're already needing to kind of re-engage and relearn how to learn. And so, and so if you hear the word learning loss, <laughs> tell people to come up with a different way because yeah. it's not learning loss. It's, it's starting where we're at and growing from where we're at. And, and yeah, they may, they may have missed those facts and maybe they won't do as well on, on Jeopardy or, or, <laughs> or something, but, but have we continued to give them opportunities to think and grow uh, their ability to uh, you know, be creative and collaborate, and and those those types of uh, yeah. those types of skills, which are are important. Yeah. Uh, and I think in math and science and, and English, those 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 standards have moved us past mm -hmm. content. Absolutely. And and social studies as well, uh, but they haven't been updated since 1998, really, <laughs> a little bit a few years ago. But but uh, it's important for us to to think of remember that as the core, not just the stuff that we're learning. Yeah. Well said. Yeah. Anything, anything we want to add there to, you know, I think we, we all have, everybody has anchor standards and I think everybody has, um, you know, that's a good place to start to remind us, you know, where we're expanding from for our kids. Um, and I think we all have hopefully, um, you know, some, some job alike, some content alike, if maybe not at your same site across the district and a great opportunity to tap into what others are doing and what they're willing to let go and um, you know we're, we're hoping for some PLC yeah. revival you know if, if you're if you haven't been partnering with your fellow teachers there's no better time that's for sure and, and we're gonna at the district level provide some help for you to re-engage your PLCs mm -hmm. uh, maybe even beyond what they were doing before you know March 2020 uh, and, and sort of reboot that idea of working together uh, with the idea of student achievement and student growth in mind. And our, our district's central office will, um, will continue to work on you know, tools and resources always done in collaboration with our teachers um, who are teaching. So that helps us sort of unpack what's going well, 
what is still a challenge? What still kind of keeps you up at night or, or, you know, what are you still unpacking or processing through? Tiffany, what's, uh, what's challenging I, you I still? I think that right now, um, the biggest challenge that I've heard teachers talk about is uh, teaching in both worlds. Mm-hmm. So being both an online teacher and a in-person teacher is difficult to navigate. Um, so I think that that's probably the biggest challenge is, is trying to live well in both worlds. Uh, so for me, I, that's what I keep on hearing. Yeah. And we're seeing it done in, we're seeing that living in both worlds done a bunch of different ways too. Right. Um, so, you know, that's kind of finding the right fit, you know, is also part of the narrative. And for students too, it's hard for them to navigate the different platforms that teachers have. Mm. So, um, some teachers are teaching using Schoology, some are using, uh, Google Classroom or different platforms. So I think that in all, it's been pretty difficult for them to try, for all of us Mm -hmm. to try to find a way to make sense of, of living in an online world. Yeah. That's a good point. Kelly, what's still been a challenge for you? Um, I have a lot of challenges, but um, (laughs) aside from attendance and the astronomical F-rate, I'm going to say um, the two that I I really am focusing on is uh, literacy in science and um, my labs, so making sure that they're equitable between my distance learners Mm. and my blended learners. which was a really big challenge early in the year, but um, I don't know if I should save that for solutions. But well, yeah, tell I us do. how you're how are you <laughs> approaching that? So, um, I I was working with uh, Maxine Sagapolitelli, and um, you know she it's always good to uh, brainstorm with her because she's just a magnificent teacher. But what I started doing quarter two is that my students in class will do the lab and they will record the lab, not themselves, but record the data and the lab setup and everything. And then we put that into YouTube videos and then I post those YouTube YouTube videos in Schoology. And then my my DLs can watch, now it's not quite the same because they're not physically doing the lab, but they can watch the lab, they can get the data and then complete um, the lab. Because quarter one, at the end, I was trying to like have a lab for in class and then some kind of activity for my at-homers. Yeah. And I was losing my, I was losing my stuff because, <laughs> you know, and then making sure they're the same points and like you grade it the same. And um, so anyway, that was like a huge relief for me when. So you're sort of leveraging the kids that are there in person to capture the essence of what the kids that can't be there in person are doing yes and sharing it with them now they get a little more of a benefit obviously being in class yeah. plus these kids now have to um, not explain answers but explain the lab like what am I doing like I have to know what I'm doing yeah yeah if I'm going to make a video so they have to explain the lab process and then also be able to um, you know provide the data so it's uh, definitely a higher skill that they also get to do you have them prep that first before they record like in or or make a script of any kind or you just I do not um I practiced with them for the first three weeks um that they had to I try to do a a, some kind of activity or lab every time they come into my room once a week so they're actually 
doing some chemistry <laughs> because uh, chemistry completely online is horrible. But um, yeah. so I just walked them through um, and modeled. And yeah. then if they were struggling or kind of embarrassed, you know, then I would walk over and like help the group. But now it's, uh, we had a lab today. I'm like, don't forget to video, get out your phones and don't forget to send me the YouTube link. And they just, they just do it and I post it and then the kids at home get to do it. That's great. Yeah. Great. So. Tiffany, have you been able to use like your in-person kids to oh, like, yeah. okay, tell yeah. us about that. In-person learning is very different than being at home, yeah. clearly. Um, I live in two worlds, so I have math and engineering. My engineering students really need that hand on, hands-on exposure to activities. So we found ways to get um, kits together to send home with our distance learning students, but it's still not the same as engaging with their peers. Um, so yeah, that's been challenging to navigate as well. Like how do I get the hands-on activities in the hands of the students that are distance learning. Yeah. Um, so we tell us a little creative. bit about making kits to send home. What um, does that look like? Yeah. So <laughs> I'll get together balsa wood and they'll build airplanes at home. So same type of thing where I have tutorials where I'm putting together. You know, a, I have a video of me putting together the the airplane and or the rocket, the model rocket that they're building, okay. and then they put it together at home. So do they they swing by campus uh -huh. and just pop into your room and grab it, yep, or do, they you, do. okay? Yep. Okay, yeah, that's cool. our drones too. Yeah, we've checked out quite a bit of equipment to the students, so it's been really nice for them to have the equipment in their hand. Okay, to work with. Very cool. Yeah. Well, and that type of class and <laughs> science as well. I yeah. mean, those are those experiences are central Vital. Yeah. to to really learning and, and right. doing that content well. For sure. Yeah. What other what other challenges um, do you think our teachers might be going through that we could maybe speak to? What other you know, anything else coming up? <laughs> this is going to be very counterintuitive, but small class sizes. I mean, mm -hmm. having two, three students in a class, I'm so happy for level three for this purpose. I feel like when we were in level two for a long time, um, we kind of saw our numbers drop, at least at West Hills where I am. We saw numbers drop over time um, where students started coming less and less, and I got smaller and smaller and smaller class sizes, which we've always, that's the dream, right? right. Smaller class sizes. <laughs> um, but to the extreme that we had it, it was very hard to have those rich conversations in class with students mm -hmm. when you have two or three and they're masked and they're six feet apart. So that's been a challenge is engaging the students mm -hmm. um, and getting them to engage given the small class sizes. Yeah, we saw today um, at, at Valhalla, like I mentioned, a variety of different ways that teachers are approaching having some kids present and some kids distance. But one thing that I thought was so interesting was putting the kids that are in class in the Zoom mm -hmm. with the kids that are at home because then they're participating in the chat as well. Yeah. Or you wouldn't necessarily have to do it that way. You could have a, a back channel or a Schoology or a, you know, some sort of discussion going where the kids could be, um, you know, interacting with each other. But I've never... I, you know, I'm just always amazed at, you know, the creative ways that we come up with to get kids interacting. So I think that's, you know, if, if that speaks to you, that's a, a possible strategy for sure. So I'm hearing that the biggest, just one of the biggest differences for you between level two and level three is just the quality of maybe the conversation and interaction with Absolutely. more kids in class. Yeah, and that's, I mean, in my curriculums, both of them, it's vital to have that conversation and the collaboration that needs to happen with that richer and deeper level thinking. Yeah, yeah. What about you, Kelly? What are you experiencing as the biggest difference between last week and this week, level two and level three? 
Yeah, I mean, I have to piggyback off that because um, I've just seen a lot more engagement in my students and interaction. I'm I'm not a, a lecturer, um, mm-hmm. even before NGSS. I've never <laughs> been that kind of teacher. And so I really just like to... Um, get the students together discussing, maybe provide them with strategies. Um, My school is a little different. We we just, we have different demographics. So really my focus a lot of the time is to get them to move from being like a dependent learner, have a lot of dependent learners, Mm -hmm. to independent. And I think a lot of the ways you do that is is group work collaboration and providing them the strategies as tools to get from dependent to independent. Um, I've been struggling with that part in literacy a lot this year. Um, so to have more students without me even having, having to to talk about it, or it just happened naturally. It just, they just more collaborated. Yeah. You know, yeah. I didn't have to like give them sentence starters or say this is what it should look like. They're just, they were just doing it, I think, because they were, they yeah. were desperately missing that yeah and then that's kind of what you were talking about in terms of like growth right we just we're not we're not measuring the facts we're measuring the growth can you say a little bit more about that well i think i think measuring how well they can work together how well they get that resiliency or or you know, not giving up. What, what's the math practice? The not giving up math practice. Uh, is it resiliency? Yeah, resiliency. Okay. Building resiliency. Building, building resiliency. Like, yeah. like because we hit problems, and if we give up, and going back to that dependent learner, it's like, oh, I can't do anything until I, I get the teacher's attention. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. we need, we need students to be able to be independent expert learners. And 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 Kelly. It's not an Elkhorn Valley thing. It's a, <laughs> it, it's, it's a West Coast thing. It's a Vygotsky zone approximal development thing. And, 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 and certainly, certainly the, there are different needs sure. and maybe different sure. levels at Elkhorn Valley. But, but it's something that we as a district and, and we as teachers, yeah. maybe around the world, but cer- certainly around the country, really need to uh, give students opportunities to work through things on their own Productive and be struggle. there. Yes. Be yes. there on the side to help them along and and answer their questions, yeah. but not do it for them. Yeah. And and too often, uh, you know, and I remember this as a teacher, as soon as they get stuck, hand goes yeah. up, what do we, what do we, I'm putting my hand up. You can't yeah. see that on the <laughs> You can't see it, but he did it, he did it, you guys. Hand, go, hand goes up, <laughs> hand goes up, and then like, or they just stop. Yeah. And and in this environment, especially in an online, where part of part of their week, and sometimes all of their week is, is online, uh, that, that, gets, that gets tough because the teacher isn't available 24-7. Uh, and and so it's it's you know I think this showed I think the pandemic and our our uh, lack of seeing students every day has shown us that that needs to be a bigger priority moving yeah, forward absolutely. because uh, they a lot of them are not able to do it on their own and so we need to we need to teach them how to do it on their own mm-hmm. yeah you know and always be there on the side where the safety net but but they need to you know start start on the journey uh, on their on the, by themselves. Yeah. In the elementary world, that's like the ask three, then me, right? Like, what are three strategies you can use before you lean into the teacher? And I think that's still really valid. You know, productive struggle. I don't know if you guys are familiar with John Spencer and, um, you know, some of the stuff that that's done around the learning pit and, and getting out of the learning pit and really giving our kids opportunities 
it's so hard, especially with an educator's soul, not to jump in and, and try to, to fix or answer or get, you know, get the get the machine cogs turning again, but um, really the more they can learn what their own strategies are, what their own resources are, what to do in those productive struggle moments, the more we're doing them a service, Mm -hmm. for sure, for sure. What else is coming up around distance learning, hybrid learning, transitioning from one level to another, teaching some kids in person, some kids online? What else is coming up that we should probably address for our our colleagues and teachers you want your fellow Um, teachers to know what like what advice would you give them they're having just their worst day ever of of hybrid teaching what advice would you give i think for me the biggest thing has been flexibility really being flexible with um and grace and allowing a lot of grace in this for students and for teachers and for yourself um when teachers have come to me and they're struggling with something, I always just say, allow yourself some grace and flexibility mm-hmm. on this. Um, if it's stressing you out, um, drop it. Like if it's something that can be dropped, drop that part of it. Um, and same with students, just allowing that flexibility for students has been huge for me this year. Do you recommend being um, direct with students about doing that? Like just, hey, this isn't working for us and Oh yeah, why and, and very explicit with that. Yes, I yes. think it's very important to be explicit with students that, okay, I thought that this was going to work. Yeah. It's not working, and I recognize that. And because of that, we're going to make changes. And always getting feedback from them. My students are asked to reflect a lot, um, so that that way I'm getting the feedback because I've definitely changed things as I've gone because of student feedback. And I think that that's really important. So you're sort of modeling your own productive struggle. Right. So they get those strategies. Yeah, yeah. And I think being explicit with that is really important and letting them know that, you know, hey, we're going to go on this journey and we're going to see where it lands. We're going on it together. And if it's not working, please let me know because I will adjust as well. Yeah. What do you think, Kelly? Um, I mean, for me personally, I've been pretty transparent with my students um, the whole year. Um, I'm not trying to, um, especially in the beginning, um, I am not an expert <laughs> online teacher. Yeah. And I am really learning Schoology this year. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I'm going to make a lot of mistakes. I've made so many mistakes this year, um, but my students have been very gracious. And so just very transparent and um, honestly, for me, no matter what kind of day I'm having, I just don't, if I'm having a bad day or I'm in a bad mood or I read too much news or whatever, <laughs> I don't take that into the classroom. I, I am, my students would never know if I, if I was having a bad day, except for when my grandpa passed away. But um, <laughs> I am just so happy to be there with them and I let them know that and I just love on them and we make a mistake great what did we learn from that yeah let's move on um that would be my advice because they they really need uh, a cheerleader i think um at this point they need to know how much you care about them and how excited you are to have them in class and um that's for me truly i truly do feel that like in my heart like i'm so excited to be at level three and so I just want to have some fun with them too. Yeah, while we learn. I love that. Do, do you think that uh, 
So next year, everything goes according to plan. We're back at 30, hopefully not 37, right? But hopefully we're lower, we're, we're at a lower point. Somewhere for between one Let's and 37. Say we're back at full capacity. Okay. All the kids are coming to school that are supposed to come to school. Uh, do you think there's, you have a different appreciation, you'll have a different appreciation for them being there after this year? I think I will have a different appreciation for large class size. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I was fighting for like, we need, and so I don't know how long it'll take me to just get back to normal of, you know, complaining about that. But I don't think next year you'll hear a peep out of me for 37 <laughs> kids in my classroom. Not a peep. You'll appreciate them being there. I will appreciate the fact that they are there in person and I have time with them and I don't have to do, um, you know, brilliant teaching from a distance. So. What about you, Tiffany? Oh, same. I, I, I'll take them all. I'll take them all. <laughs> I just want them back. Um, the conversations are, are key to learning. And so that is, um, I need people and bodies for there to be conversation. So yeah, I, I you will not hear a peep out of me for class sizes being too large. <laughs> yeah. well, I, I hope we don't go back to 37, you know, at least next year. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but no promises, of course. But, uh, <laughs> but those are all part of the discussions about yeah. how, can we, how can we transition next year? Because it will be tough for kids to come back and be in a sea of other kids. Absolutely. And, and just the Especially social. freshmen that miss their whole freshman year, you know, right. or, oh gosh. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, and, uh, yeah. and even, even our, our sophomores who, yeah. you know, didn't a freshman year. Yeah. yeah. Right. It's just the yeah. dynamics are going to be a little bit off because there's sort of that hierarchy yeah. of like the juniors and seniors sort of like whipping in shape the, soft, the <laughs> yeah, freshmen yeah. and sophomores. Yeah. But but right, let's think about it. next year's juniors will have missed eighteen months of education. You know, time. are they going yeah. to be? Are they going to be? You know, the maturity levels and right. you know, th th you know, I, I wonder about that with the isolation that yeah. that so many have, and cer certainly some have gotten together whether they should have or shouldn't have. Doesn't, yeah. but but a lot haven't. A yeah. lot have been in their rooms yeah. for the last you know year, and and uh, and that that's that's sad as well and yeah. anybody who has kids the lack of interaction with with other children is has been heartbreaking because we we know how much that how important that is in school is such a central part of, of that childhood experience mm -hmm. yeah well we asked you guys what advice you had for um you know colleagues um is there anything that you want your your other um, the other people in your spirit parents um administrators, your central office staff, what else would you want us to know about where you are and what you need? I didn't I didn't put that one on the list. Maybe I'm throwing it out here. Yeah, <laughs> maybe not where I am and what I need. Um, something that's really helped me this year just feel connected is, or that I should say would help to feel connected, is students um, want to be asked how they are doing. Um, connecting with students has been very a little bit of a challenge in the in the distance learning but something that I've done is I've implemented like check-ins with my students and surveys and they check in daily with a silly question and it's so interesting because I'll ask you know what's going well in class and one of the things that they'll say is uh, your check-ins and I'm like oh. oh interesting and it's repeated like many students it's not just like one random student it's many students are like I love your daily check-ins 
here I'm like trying to get them to say, oh, I love this awesome thing you did in class. <laughs> but they, they want to be checked in on. Um, and that's been very apparent in the feedback that I'm getting from them. How do you run a check-in with students? What kind of format So do I do use? mine through Schoology. Okay. Um, each day they do their infinite campus check-in, but then they have a check-in with me. And it's always some silly question, like a get to know you question. And I do try to um, respond back to them so that they know that um, I'm providing feedback back. I'm actually reading these and yeah. I do. Um, but I feel like it's helped us connect on many levels and it's something that is very important. I think that it's easy to to put that by the wayside, the connections with students, because we have so much other, we have to wear so many other hats right now. Um, but it really should be at the forefront of everything that we do, is trying to form connections with students, even when it's challenging mm-hmm. and finding ways to do that. Mm-hmm. I would hope uh, that next year if we're you know fully back that we would be able to engage connect uh with our students without i like to greet my students at the door and shake their hand i like to teach them how to handshake i like to ask them uh, good things every single day when i start my class and i would hope um i guess i have a fear a worry that there's going to be restrictions or limits on our interaction physical like no you can't shake hands you know what I mean so I don't know I, I think about that when I think about coming back and I don't know that kind of you're longing for that yeah I don't I I mean I feel like if you take it away and you say it's because of you know COVID I'm, I feel like it won't ever come back mm. is is my worry that's mm-hmm. kind of been festering in my in my brain. Yeah, yeah I think there's there's still some unknowns, right? Yeah. Because we we hope the vaccine is going to you know create you know next to no numbers of people getting COVID, or at least the the cases are are not severe. Yeah. Uh, that's our hope, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And I think we're we're resting resting on that. And if that is the case, then hopefully we can yeah. come back to that. So Dan, I, I'm sure if somebody's listening to this, they're, they may be projecting forward, you know, kind of what's next? Are we opening full time? You know, do you want to speak to that at all? Just to, the, I know there's not much to there say, nothing but determined yet. do you want to go on record right. saying that we, we will ha- We will start school in August. Yeah. And, and there is the goal of the Grossman Union High School District will be to uh, get students in classes. Yeah. Because, you know, I think, I think if we look at it, we are the only high school district who's had kids on mm-hmm. in, in classes uh, all year. Elementary is a different animal, right? You can have those self-contained smaller cohorts, that sort of thing. Uh, and and uh, we, we know that was a tremendous challenge and it was stressful and, you know, we, we were very worried and, and we've been lucky that, that uh, we haven't had transmissions at, mm-hmm. at schools and, yeah. and we've had to shut down school classes, but mostly because kids brought it in with them or a teacher brought it in with them. Uh, because we have been we have been really safe and, and safety has started as the number one priority yeah now the only real way to be totally 100% safe is that everybody's in a bubble mm-hmm. and and that doesn't necessarily work for what we're trying to do mm-hmm. you know we've still all gone to the grocery store and gotten mail and mm-hmm. and there's still, still things that have continued on mm-hmm. uh, and and I think I think we should all be proud of the work that we did this year and it's far from perfect but that doesn't mean it wasn't great 
Yeah. Um, you know, we, we have work to, and we have work to do next year to, um, I won't even say catch up, but just sort of reintroduce the system of education like, like we know it, but even better because we know some of the gaps that have always been there are, are even more apparent and, and we just can't ignore some of them anymore. I know the more we get out into classrooms, the more I'm just exceedingly proud of not just the work that's being done, but the connection that's happening and and the the innovation and the sort of outside the box thinking and the making it work and the productive struggle, not just from students, but from teachers. And it's clear both of you ladies are so tremendously passionate about what you do and your kids and your risk takers and you're flexible. And we appreciate you just being willing to sort of share your experience um, you know, I, I know it seems a little intimidating, but hopefully we weren't too, uh, you know, we, we, we try to keep it light here, you know, so hopefully thank you for yeah, the opportunity. Of course. Yeah, thank you very much for, for sharing and doing what you're doing and, and uh, yeah. you know, we appreciate it. Yeah. Well, we get to wish you all out there listening a happy spring break. Um, we hope that, that it's safe and healthy and relaxing and rejuvenating and that you get to do uh, whatever makes you happy in your heart. And uh, we will return in April with, with some more info, but we love when teachers come on our show. So uh, hopefully these two gals have convinced you that uh, it might be a fun thing to, to be on the GUHSD Learns uh, Learning Stories podcast. So we may be reaching out to some of you soon, but if you have something you'd love to talk about on the cast or you'd love to hear us talk about on the cast, you can reach out to us. I am Tiffany Brown, T-I-F-F-A-N-I-B-R-O-W-N at GUHSD.net. And uh, Dan McDowell, D-M-C-O-W-E-L-L at GUHSD.net. You did. That was good. Wow. You had to I, think about it for I a did, second. I did. I almost misspelled my name, I think. <laughs> hey, thanks for listening, everybody. We'll catch you guys in April. Bye-bye. Thank you.